Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Since the day I learned my first word, self-expression has always been second nature. A child prodigy of third world parents, so I have to tell my forefathers' stories on paper. Silence for too long, the strength of my tongue sentenced me to a life of right and wrongs. My penmanship, my penmanship bridges the gaps of intergenerational dialogues. Marginalized between the lines of lands my parents traveled. Sacrificing the familiarity of home to make ease for me life's inevitable battles. So who am I not to be what I was destined? Who am I to not be what I was destined? Despite school systems labeling me and sanctioning me to detention, despite the target on my back and private funding to put my melanin in prison, correction, I will not be your stereotype. I mean, I am made from the essence of stardust above aerial heights. It is not my fault. You cannot see the light in me. You cannot enlighten me on your capitalist commodities. I am the rose that's still adapted to blossom out of colonized concrete. Capitalizing on conquered conquests my predecessors paved. Placing poetic politic on history's page. It is these pages cut from my family trees that once hung our forefathers as slaves. It is these pages cut from my family trees that once hung our forefathers as slaves. It is these pages I tell their story. It is these lines they once hung from, I celebrate their glory, just to stay connected to my roots. See, these pages are sacred. It's how hip-hop's essence began as pure truth. But see, these days, I can't relate to what a lot of rappers are saying in the booth. Because see, the spoken word, the spoken word is a gift. And you can emanate life or death by the mere intention coming out of your lips. Man, we can speak dreams into existence, creating a world united or divided. See, you can choose to be the change or remain silenced. By size, by size, the tongue is the strongest muscle in our bodies for a reason a tool to connect us to the divine. More than just speaking, it keeps us believing. A portal between time and space mixed. The inspiration of ancient hieroglyphs. See, our words can build dynasties and mend broken bonds. Our words can create vitality and give us a freedom of redemption song. Our words can live beyond us like MOK's dream to see us free at last, so be mindful of the words and intentions that depart from the sacredness of your tongue. Be mindful of the words and intentions that depart from the sacredness of your tongue. We are powerful vessels. The creator etched presence into our lungs so you have a gift within you. Leave a legacy that will continue. Etch your name in the dendrochronology of history's pages. 
Do not allow the from and to on your tombstone just to be dated. Let the dash in between reveal the story you told and of the magic that you created. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Young Pros Talk podcast. This is episode 24. My name is Redmond, and today's guest is an amazing artist, Ontario's first poet laureate, founder and executive director of RISE, and just an incredible and insp- inspirational human being, Randall Ajay. How's it going? Thanks for joining the podcast. I'm happy to be here, man. It's going really, really well. Uh, it's, a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful time to be alive. You know, it's... Uh, you know, for me, I should say not for everybody, but for me, I'm just 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 excited about the work I'm doing right now. So, yeah, that's man. good. Yeah, it's always good to hear about your work. So we'll start from the very beginning. And I just have to start off with the most difficult question people have. Just tell everybody about yourself. <laughs> uh, I am a speaker, a poet, an author, uh, the executive director of a not for profit organization, a business owner. Um, I do a lot of different things, but all of it is rudimented in this idea of making the world a better place through art. And, uh, mm-hmm. I guess the other, the other thing is I, I identify as an alchemist, you know, someone who's really been able to transform the rocky moments in my life into golden opportunities mm-hmm. and someone who just really like, I'm just, I'm an optimist, you know, three words that best describe me. I'm an optimist. Uh, I'm a lover and I'm someone who loves to serve. So service, Good. optimist, um, and lover. That, that's really me. Okay. And does that, and we'll get into the poetry and everything. Does that, um, I guess that goes into how you write your, your art, write your poem, poetry and things like that. Um, it goes into, okay. So when did you, let's take it back to before poetry. I'm the poetry was poetry before rise or, or after rise poetry was before poetry. rise. Yeah, poetry was definitely before Rise. Um, it was, it was a grade eight teacher that first introduced me to poetry. She, you know, heard about all these suspensions and arrests that I had at thirteen years old. I'd been arrested three times. Oh, wow. I did. I'd been suspended a number of times. I was a really angry. You know, I wasn't a bad kid. I was an angry kid. I was dealing with mm-hmm. a lot at home. I was dealing with a lot of trauma, and I didn't understand. And so here was this teacher who finally saw something in me that many other people didn't. And she wanted to, to hear me out. She listened to me for the first time. And I think in her listening, she asked if I've ever written poetry. I said, no. She gave me a pen and paper and she said, tell me your story. And I think that was the first time I was ever really introduced to poetry, it inspired me. And essentially what she was able to do for me by listening and giving me a safe space to be myself and be heard. I guess essentially that's what Rise really became because she gave me this idea of creating a space for other people to use poetry to express themselves in a positive way, right? So it's amazing what teachers can do, the impact it can have on Absolutely. you, you know? Uh, and to this day, we're still we're still in touch to this day. So it's an amazing Oh, wow, thing. that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, it's I see that as very important because teachers are pretty much your first point of contact um, Absolutely. outside of your family. So I remember once when I was in 
class. I think I was taking an English class. And there was a there was a um article I had to read about and it was about um this black teacher teaching black students that were in the inner city and having mm-hmm. issues and he was like an art teacher. And okay. so the teacher was having a, a student that was having similar issues, trouble at home, things like that, you know, was angry and he told the student, you know, that the student could draw though. Um, so he was like, tell your story and, uh, but draw it, draw it out, mm-hmm. illustrate it mm-hmm. for us. And that impacted him in a positive way. And he was able to tell the story. And, and through that, the teacher was able to understand what was going on with him to best help him, you know? So that's, that's some very impactful stuff. So Huge. poetry s- started at in eighth grade because of the, the teacher now, do you remember when you first, your, your first completed poem, the first one you performed, are they different poems or are they the same poems or? Uh, the first one I wrote was in grade eight. The first one I performed, I would say, was when I was 16. So I was 11. Um, I got to a conference. There was this dude named Bruno Muhammad who was performing on stage. And let's just say I saw myself on stage. And I remember from that day forward, I said, that's going to be me. And so from mm. that day forward, that's kind of what I've been doing, performing on different stages for young people to be able to see, you know, an example of what a leader could look like, someone who isn't afraid to be vulnerable, someone right. who, who isn't afraid to tell his story in the hopes of sharing that message with other right. young people right. as well. Okay. So what's the, what's the creative process for you? Like, how does, it, how does a poem start? For you do you do you have a, and I, I had another poet on the podcast sometimes it's just thoughts come and you just write them down and that comes into something sometimes you actually have a title of what you want to write about sometimes you don't have a title for the poem like what's your what's the creative process for you honestly sometimes I get inspired and I just run to a, a uh, you know run to my notepad other times um uh, a lot of what I do is I have a word map, you know, because I don't mm-hmm. always have a title. I think my titles usually come after I'm finished a poem. And mm-hmm. my process really is I have a word map. So I write out a bunch of different words that are associated with a certain theme that I'm looking to write to. And then I use those words to create other words. And then I use like all of those 25, 30 words to help inform the poem. But I often think about what people how I want people to feel when they listen to the poem. Mm -hmm. I think about how I want them to walk away with what the messaging, because for me, the message is more important than anything else, you know? So is the content you usually write pulling from your own personal experience or is it a lot of it is just, like you said, it could be something else that inspires you to write about a certain situation or another person's experience, things like that. I think it's interesting. It's a great question, actually. I think sometimes I like to think about other people's experience because, mm-hmm. you know, I have a, a mentor named Lillian Allen. Lillian always says, write for yourself, but edit for others. And so mm-hmm. often for me, what I do is uh, I really try to write something that resonates with me first so that mm-hmm. I can feel comfortable mm-hmm. with what it is I'm putting on paper, that it's something that I can share, something that I can also, you know, just push out to other people. Because one of my favorite things is performing on stage. I love performing mm-hmm. on stage. And I love it because it gives me an opportunity. Like performing is a sacred thing. 
you know, and it's right. really sacred because you have someone's ear, someone's someone's attention for a certain right. period of time where they're, they've said, like almost sitting in the audience by what do you have to tell me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I like my performance to be something that I'm able to leave something, like plant a seed of thought in someone's mind, inspire someone to transform themselves or really to feel, you know, because oftentimes we don't always give ourselves permission to feel. And I like right. to give people the opportunity to feel because I think when you feel and you can sit in your emotions, it gives you the opportunity to reflect on those emotions and see where those emotions connect to other parts of our lives. Okay. So are you, is it easy for you to get inspired to write a poem? I had a guest on um, recently and mm -hmm. I asked him about inspiration because I feel like I'm an artist as well. And sometimes I have like, I can't think I want to be creative in the moment and it's just not there for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was a thing he said that he was like, I'm the most focused and I'm always writing nonstop. Like it's the most I've ever been during this time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I, I wish I could be you right now because <laughs> I can't do it. But do you, do you find that, is it easy for you to get inspired to write now that you've been doing this for so long? Or do you still experience times where you're like, I, I want to write something, but I just don't know what to write about at this moment? Uh, the latter. Uh, I wish I could be like the other guests that you had <laughs> where, you know, I could always be inspired. I think because a lot of the work that I do is, yes, it's involved in the art, but I do a lot of administration. I do a lot of the back end stuff, you know? Right, so, right my brain is constantly focused on the emails I need to send, the people I need to connect with, who I'm booking for this show. Um, and so it doesn't always give me the opportunity to really be creative. So what I do is I spend a lot of time in the summertime is when I write the most. In the summers, really? I spend a lot of time outside. Yeah, I'll be okay. outside a lot in the summertime where I'm mm -hmm. just surrounded by, uh, by, by nature. I think nature is one of the, the most creative things. Like literally nature is creativity. And so right. I try to spend my time in nature, you know, my shoes off, feet just in the grass, connected mm -hmm. to the ground, grounded, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I write the most. So what I've done for two summers is I just challenge myself to write three pages a day. Whether I like it or not, I don't mm -hmm. care. Like it's just about getting wow. my thoughts out. And so what I've noticed is in order to get to the gold, you know, you got to dig through the dirt. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I do often is I often write a lot of dirt, a lot of stuff that I don't like, mm -hmm. but eventually I'll get to the gold because mm -hmm. you have to keep digging. You know, you have to keep mm -hmm. digging. Sometimes mm -hmm. creativity does that just doesn't appear. Out of, it doesn't come out of the ground out of nowhere. You right. know what I mean? It's something that you have to kind of excavate. You have to go finding. So that's my process mainly. But when it's not summertime, I sit down and, you know, um, I've got a poem that I'm working on right now about manhood and and mm -hmm. and like positive masculinity. So things mm -hmm. that really resonate with me, things that I, mm -hmm. I'm connected to, you know, that, that I want to share with other people and have a message about. Okay. Well, I just have to let you know that inspired me to know that I, I thought something was wrong with me not being able to <laughs> write uh, anything right now, you know, but it's interesting that you said, you know, you just kind of write things, even if it's not that great, you just write it anyways. And then you, you edit it later. And I remember there was a, um, I think it was Jay-Z. I can't remember who it was talking about just just do the same thing and then take the good parts that you wrote and then put them together. Yeah, um, exactly. And then the next thing you know, you'll have something great from those 
great parts you put together from all of the stuff you just wrote down, you know? So that's an, that's an interesting process. Yeah, yeah man. And that's wisdom. And three, three pages a day. I definitely need to get to that <laughs> as well. Cause I, I look at myself as a writer as well. Cause I write, like I've tried to write poetry. I have a couple of things I've written down, but like, I think my issue with the process is I'm trying to perfect it in the moment. Mm. You know, sometimes it's always trying to perfect it in the moment. Um, and then, but I'm just never satisfied with the product mm-hmm. completely. So is there any works of, of poetry that you've done where it's finished for you, but you're just not something about it is not satisfying to really put out there just yet? So I've got a bunch of notebooks like this one that okay. I've started and haven't finished, you know, okay. so there's poems, poems halfway through the book. And then the other halfway, like literally the other halfway of the book, um, empty. So really? I think for me, I often, I often write a lot of poems where I get to a place where I say, I'm going to come back to it, but it happens, you know, it happens. But I think for me, sometimes it's just about the process and these are poems okay. that I can go back to. And just like Jay said, like, these are poems I can go back to and I can edit and just see what was good about that poem. So I've been doing that lately, you know, just looking at my old work and bookmarking it, just seeing if it's something that I can revamp, you know, add different words or a different like rhythm, different cadence to. Um, okay. But yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a part of my process too. You know, a big part of my process is really about uh, being okay with not having it right at the same time. I'm like you, I'm a perfectionist. Like I want it to be perfect, but um, I'm learning to be okay with the process of editing and the process mm-hmm. of really, uh, you know, tearing it apart. Sometimes it needs to be t- torn apart, you know, for you to just take a one line and then build off that one line, you know? Yeah. But a okay. piece of advice that I can say too is we often judge ourselves and you got, we have to get in, out of the space of judging what we write. You know, you really want to be in a space of, um, so what I write at the top of my page is don't judge yourself. And I don't okay. judge what I write. Um, and I, I, I'll, ch- I'll challenge you and I'll challenge everyone listening as well is, can you get to a place of just writing down without putting the pen down? Like just write, you know, because mm-hmm. give yourself the opportunity to just dump your thoughts on paper because it's healing, man. It's really healing mm-hmm. to dump your thoughts and just allow it to flow. And then at the end, you might not like what you wrote, but at the end of the day, you you have something there and that's cathartic. Okay. Do you Do you have anything, this might be a strange question. Do you have anything that others liked and you were kind of like um it's not my favorite <laughs> like <laughs> not the one i like uh, the most that's a good question um you know what I, I one of my older poems i pulled it out one time and people are like yo how come you don't share that because for me i wrote it when i was 16 i shared it when mm-hmm. i was 25 24 25 and people <laughs> said they loved it uh, but for me, it was like, ah, it's okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was okay. Mm-hmm. It was something I wrote when I was 16. But people loved it, even even though for me, it was something that I, did, I didn't love at the time, you know? So, mm-hmm. but most of my poems, if I love it, you're going to love it because my performance is going to, you know, my performance is going to show you. So that's that's another another right. thing, too. Okay. And um, so... How long does it usually take you to write a poem? As we said, the process, you know, you write things down and you put it out there. Does, does, is sometimes there, 
you're working on it and you take a break for a month or two and come back to it or some poems like is there different does it vary the amount of time it takes you to complete a piece it varies you know it really varies because um there's a poem about masculinity like i said i'm working on right now um Mm -hmm. and it's it's something that just came out of me you know i sat there for maybe 20 minutes and just kept flowing because you know masculinity is something i live with every day it's something right. I grew up around. It's something that I was told was wrong, something I was told I needed to change. Right. So that has a different feeling to it. But when it's a poem that's for me, you know, just for me, like I'm writing that for um, a client, but when it's just for me, I, I it takes me time. You know, it takes me time mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. really get it out. Because I write a lot about personal experiences, stuff that um, means something to me, something, stuff that I'm going through. So that sometimes I'm not ready in the moment. So I, like you said, I'll take a couple a couple weeks, I'll come back to it and I'll edit it. Um, but it depends on where okay. I am as a person. Okay. And for your creative process, are you, do you find the most inspiration to write? Are you a morning person? Are you a night owl like I am who gets those ideas when he's supposed to be sleeping, but he can't, he's got to go <laughs> write them down because they there right now. Like when do you get, when do you find that you're the most creative? It's either early in the morning uh or later at night so like you like you i can be a night owl sometimes but either early in the morning or late at night do i write my best my best work um unless like but i also like pressure so if if um if i have to write something under pressure i'll I'll make it happen like i I like i kind of like pressure to be honest with you it makes me write you know i I write diamonds when i'm under pressure i should say yeah (laughs) i feel like i'm the same but just for like university essays back in the day you know like Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could I could give you that eight page paper in a couple of hours if I needed to, <laughs> you know, and it'd be some of the best writing you ever read in your Straight. life for me. Straight. Um, Straight. What's what's one of the biggest challenges you face when you're trying to write a poem or you're trying to do a piece? And and do those challenges are they different from when you're writing for yourself and when you're writing for a client? My biggest challenge always is myself, you know, because mm. um I've written, I've written a lot, you know, I have a lot of notebooks in my bookshelf that I've written um, and filled and some that I filled most, most that are like half filled. So I've written over, I'm pretty sure over 500 poems. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've written over 500 poems. Uh, but I think at the same time, uh, I'm my biggest obstacle because I'm a Virgo. And if anybody who's out there knows about Virgos, we're a bit of a, I'm a recovering perfectionist, let's say, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm someone who um, I wanted to be perfect the first time. And, and I guess something I'll, I'll, I'll explain for you too is the reason why I love the quote, write for yourself, then edit for others is because of Rise, we had something happening every single week. And because it was right. every Monday, I always felt pressure to, to share something every week. So it changed the way mm-hmm. I wrote. I started writing for other people. Right. And I still have like remnants of that mindset of writing for people and as opposed to writing for myself. So I'm I'm really my biggest obstacle and I need to do the things that okay. that allow me to be my best. Like I, for me, I like to meditate. I like to listen to jazz music. Mm-hmm. So a, part, mm-hmm. a, a big part of my process is I listen to jazz music or I listen to uh, smooth, like, you know, soul music that kind of gets my spirit mm-hmm. creative. Um, and then the last thing is I'm often by myself. Like I, I usually write by myself as well. So yeah, I'm my, I'm my biggest obstacle, but I need to create the space for me to really, you know, do what I need to do. Okay. So you can listen to music with words while you write? 
Nah, not really words. Yeah. Like jazz, okay. like jazz, jazz instrumentals. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking, I was like, that's impressive because when I'm trying to write, I, if it's music with words, it's not happening. I feel like it's just 100%. too influenced by what's 100%. being said in, in the music. <laughs> so I'm usually a big jazz person myself. Chill Hop, mm. I don't know if you've heard of Chill Hop, which is like a lot of I know music. Chill Hop. I yep. usually listen to that. And honestly, yeah. some of the most um, relaxing music to me when I used to study for university is actually classical music. Yo. Get a good classical music station going, and I, it just, it's something about it. It's almost as if, like, it's not even there sometimes to me. You know? And Yo, just, it's, just so... <laughs> it's amazing you say that, bro, because for me, classical music actually is what I write to the most. Lately, it's been jazz, but usually it yeah. is classical. And classical is underrated, oh, man. It is, it's man. really underrated. So underrated. Yeah, yeah. man. Like Chopin, Beethoven. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I listen to a bunch of that, man. Some concerto. Like a lot of that. A lot of that. Oh, yeah. You know the, you know a lot of the classical music. You know, some of my, my favorite, one of my favorite movies was, was Moonlight. Mm. Um, yep, yep. And we had yep. a classical type of music going with the soundtrack. And I just felt yep. like it just, it, it, um, it complimented that movie so well. Um, Very. And it complimented it so well because this is a movie about a kid in an urban city. And that's mm -hmm. not usually the type of music you use to, to like help describe that story. But that was, and that was a great, great choice um, by the director to utilize that music for that, for that movie. And I, I love that. I love when, when art gives you something you're not expecting sometimes, you know? Thousand percent thousand percent but that i think that's art though right art yeah. art is is creating an experience for people that they might not usually expect right that's true that's true and yeah. i'm just hoping i can continue to try to do it <laughs> with this podcast <laughs> um so you talked about rise so um what a couple of questions i guess what made you decide to start rise and i know a lot of it has to do with some of the things you talked about from your things that happened to you while you're growing up and things like that but um, when did the concept really come to you to like formulate this organization? Uh, so uh, it, it really came to me, uh, life, death, transformation, and uh, legacy, you know? Um, so I, it came to mm -hmm. me because a few of my friends recognized that we had a lot of stuff going on in our community and there just wasn't a space for it. So one of my guys wanted to do a basketball camp to help young people. My other dude wanted to do media to push out positive messages. And then I wanted to do poetry. Mm -hmm. And essentially, okay. you know, I went forth with my idea. It didn't really work out with them. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess for me, I was really able to put it together because I also talked to people in my community. I wanted to understand, like, if we had a space like this, how do you think this space should be? Why do you think it should exist? And what do you think it should look like? So I talked to people. Mm -hmm. um, but the idea really ruminated after, you know, going through a bit of a transformative time in my life. Um, mm -hmm. I've always been very spiritual. I grew up in the church, but a friend of mine got me going back to church again. And I went to this church and they had like an open mic. And I thought, well, this is dope. But I guess only Christian people, you know, only Christians can come into this church. I guess right. I wondered, how can I bring this back to my community, you know, and and because my community, whether you're Christian or not, is something I wanted to do. And even when I was learning about about Christ during that time, Christ wasn't 
he wasn't in the church. You know, he was in the community mm-hmm. reaching out to everyone but Christians, everyone right. but the religious people. So right. I wanted to be able to kind of exemplify what Christ did and, and create, I guess, like my own form of ministry in a way through poetry and, and, and music. Wow, that's that's amazing, man. I guess we should also talk about what what does RISE mean? What does it stand for? For those who don't know, what is the um, nonprofit organization? What does it what does it do for the community? So RISE is a social enterprise that is, that um, means the acronym is Reaching Intelligent Souls Everywhere. Mm. And so we have a not-for-profit organization. The not-for-profit organization is called RISE Arts and Community Services. What we do is we are an incubator that helps support artists. Uh, traditionally, pre-COVID, we are doing a weekly event where artists can come and perform. So we have mm-hmm. performance spaces for them. We do showcasing. We apply for a lot of funding to get artists paid to perform and to create right. work because right. a lot of them don't have access to funding, um, government mm-hmm. funding. So that's something I, we do. And then we pay them. In addition, we provide them with like artist development opportunities, ways like really it's an incubator. You know, we want to see the artists grow. Mm-hmm. And then what I'm able to do is I also have a for-profit. And what I'm able to do is I take some of the talents that have come through our programs that have grown. I take them and I bring them over to the for-profit. And then the for-profit, we have more opportunities for them to perform where they can make a little bit more money. And, um, you know, my for-profit works with different clients, different companies to really give artists an opportunity. Like I just did something recently uh, that really was like, it was really inspiring and really amazing for me. Um, but yeah, in a nutshell, it's really an opportunity to uh, just develop develop an organization that can help artists on, on all different, you know, in all different ways. Wow. Okay. And so you, how long did it take to get the organization off the ground? Like when, when did it originally, um, when did it originally start it? So we started, um, April 16, 2012, almost 10 years ago. Oh, wow. And so I mean, anniversary coming up. Yeah. Our 10 year anniversary is coming up, but I mean, in a nutshell, you know, it took maybe four months to really get it going. Uh, I had the idea in January, um, and then I went to a community center because we just really needed a space, you know? Right, right. And the, the yeah, the community center said we could start in March, but it got pushed back a month and a half. Um, and then mm-hmm. once we once we did our first event, you know, one of the things in business is consistency. If you can be right, consistent, 100%. then, you know, people will come. And it wasn't about business at first because we were just charging two people for people to, two dollars for people to come in, you know, it wasn't about money at all. It was about community. And if, even if you didn't have the $2, you could still come through. Um, but I guess, you know, it started because of there was a need in the community. And one thing I, I'll share with people that are listening, like anyone listening is, I want you to look at the problems in your life and the problems in your community. And mm-hmm. I want you to remove your anger, your disgust, your contempt for some of these problems and I want you to look at these problems as opportunities. I want you to see the problems and say, how can I use it, take this problem and turn it around, turn it on its head to be a solution for other people? And that's what mm-hmm. I did with Rise, you know? And it's something that we can't, you know, I'm, I've almost died twice. I've been stabbed oh, wow. before um, wow. and getting stabbed. Uh, yeah, I got stabbed um, in my elbow and my back. And, you know, I remember thinking about these guys who robbed me, you know, they were very similar to my homies, you know? When I told my homies, my homie said, you know, let's go. I'm riding, you know, let's get these guys. So I guess I thought 
if the guys who rob me use violence as a way to deal with their problems and then my homies use violence as a way to deal with their problems, then what could I do to change that? And right. uh, that's why Rise was so important because we need a space to talk about our shit. You know, we need a space to talk about what we're going through because right. ultimately that's what's going to allow us to think, okay, I'm not going to walk out with a, with a knife. I'm not going to walk out with a gun because I was able to deal with the stuff that was festering in my heart, the stuff that was festering mm-hmm. on my chest. So that's why I started Rise, man. Like death, life, oh. uh, legacy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it, it's all of that. That whole journey brought you to that moment. How long did it take when you were going through those experiences? How mm-hmm. long did it take for you to like do those things, to take away the anger and the disgust and, and just be able to focus on the community and the purpose and, and, and ensuring that people had a platform to be able to express themselves? Uh, I mean, it took a while. You know, I was I was stabbed just after high school, uh, you know, was a valedictorian in my class, 2009. Um, and then literally a month and a half later, I went to the club to celebrate my friends. Um, and then I got stabbed. In my I got stabbed. Uh, that was August 20, 2009. And wow. realistically... I was I did I can't say that I went on the right path after that. I, I went to university, but I was doing some things that I I probably you know shouldn't have been doing at the time. But then after that, you know, I took a I took a little bit of a break from school, and then I started diving deeper into myself. I started reading mm-hmm. books like The Alchemist. Mm-hmm. I started reading books like uh, Think and Grow Rich. You know, things that just were enriching my spirit and enriching right. who I was as a person. Because right. I felt like I needed to invest in me before I could invest in my community, right? Hundred um, percent. So yeah, to answer your question, it took maybe um, two and a half ish, two and a half ish years to after okay. being stabbed to starting Rise. Wow, that's incredible, man! It's it's kudos to you to be able to you know take that and make it a positive energy and make a positive because you're making a big impact in the community, and I'm I'm seeing you everywhere now. I know you just had the the Scarborough uh campaign and and a lot of other things i've seen around so like that's that's beautiful man that you've been able to come through that and i understand that journey you know mm-hmm. um being somebody who grew up in detroit mm-hmm. and, and and you know how you know it's it's just it's weird man like really people have at least i can remember i can't say it's the same but i don't remember there really being any expectations for me to really do anything or be anything you know what I mean? But you're right. There was a couple of teachers that, you know, and you same experience. There was a couple of teachers that they it mattered to them. You know what I mean? I, I think there's it's something different about people that do something just to do it and, yeah. and people that do something because they they care and it, it matters to them, the impact. You know, what I mean? there are there are teachers that teach because they know the impact they can have. And if if it's just one student, you know what I mean? That's that's a beautiful thing. If you can change one student's life for the better, then that's great. That means you can change more lives, but then they can also change others' lives as well. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Well, it just takes one moment. And I know I had a conversation with somebody once. It was an ex-girlfriend. I'll just say it. It was an ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what's your why? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We were having this conversation like, why? Like, what's your purpose in life? Mm-hmm. And f- for a while, I already knew. I was like, my purpose is to positively impact as many people as pop- possible. Mm-hmm. And whatever I do, you know, 
whatever I do, that's the mission. That's the end goal is that I impact somebody positively today. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes you don't even know that you do. Sometimes you're just doing something and you impact somebody and then they let you know later and you're like, oh, cool. And that's just beautiful that you're, cause you're doing it when you get to doing it unconsciously, that's mm-hmm. when, that's when it's, it's, it's dope. So I'm so happy that, uh, you know, you, you went through that journey, you were able to come here and you, now we're talking about it on the podcast because I think that's something that a lot of people can get from. And it also lets people know that like, Hey, you're not the only one, you're not alone out here trying to figure things out. Everybody's trying to figure out this is, this is all life is, you know, just figuring things out for the most part. That's it. That's it. So let's, let's go back to the poetry for a little bit. I think I got a few questions on the poetry. Right. Actually, about five to seven questions. I won't lie to you. <laughs> There's, okay. um, um, so what was that first experience like? Excuse me. What was the experience like doing poetry in, for, in front of people for the first time? Um, so it's interesting. For me, when I was nine years old, I used to walk around my house. And I guess I had a vision at nine years old that I'd be standing in front of people and talking to people, you know? And mm-hmm. so I just talked to myself at home about like positive things that I thought about when I was nine years old. So I think it's interesting now being my age now and looking back and seeing, you know, seeing that. So, you know, just uh, just ultimately performing in front of people is one of my favorite things. Like I said, um, mm-hmm. I was taught as a as a man and as a boy, I was taught being vulnerable meant that you're weak. And I think right, being on right, stage right. has something really powerful because you get to prove that being vulnerable actually takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of strength to be able Mm -hmm. to do it. So I love performing on stage. I'm also a speaker. So I'm just like, just naturally Mm -hmm. being on stage is something I love to do. But again, the opportunity just to inspire someone, even for a moment, the opportunity just to, you know, share a message of hope, a message of transformation an inspirational message, even for a moment just goes a really long way for me. So that's, that's 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 what I love about performing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you um do you have a favorite poem that you've written or is there one that stands out to you more than others or I mean there's yeah, there's a few. There's a few poems. Uh there's a few poems, but to me they're all they're like I love them all. Uh they're like they're like children, you know? I love them right. all. <laughs> But in a sense, yeah, I'd say there's one that that just at at the time when I wrote it just meant the most to me. You know, it was really healing. It was a poem about my dad, actually. You know, um, it's called My Father's a Broken Child. And that's probably one of the, the poems that one of my favorites just because of the healing that came from the poem. You right, know, so, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of that, do you ever look at some of the poems you've written in the past and you're like, wow, I've grown so much from the person I was when I wrote that? And it's such a different mindset. Do you ever look back at some of those poems and, and go, whoa, wow. I do. I really yeah. do. I do quite a bit. Um, just because, you know, where I was then and where I am today, uh, you know, it's it's going to change. Like in terms of the poems that I that, that I write, they, they change. Um, but I'm really fascinated, you know, with with who I was back then. And I think poem, the poems I wrote back then give me a sense of looking at who was I then and what, where, where was I, where was my mind at that time? Mm-hmm. So that's really, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I look back at, at my poetry now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you, um, do you have all your poems memorized or is that, 
You know, I mean, you've written over 500, so that's a that would be very impressive if you remembered all 500. You know, but is there a large majority? Do you remember all of them? All, all of them. All of them. I'm joking. I was going to say, this is the most impressive. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking, man. Um, I wish, I wish, I wish. I mean, if, 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 oh man, if I had all of them memorized. Um, but I would say I have a bit of a Rolodex. So right now, I want to say I have like maybe. 15 memorized it's a bit of a rolodex that i have right now you know um mm. and there's poems that i i remembered in the past that i no longer remember the same so mm. i'll just say 15 i think i try to like if i'm going to perform it i really try to memorize i really do mm. my best to memorize if i'm about to perform it so uh that's, how long that's it, me how long does it take you to remember a new poem before performing it before, before performing it excuse me uh it takes time. I mean, if I if I gave myself a week, mm-hmm. that would be the best because it's not just about remembering the words. It's really about mm-hmm. mem- remembering the feeling and the emotions that come with each word mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, you know, one thing about, about art and, and speaking is, you know, I can say, man, I, I care about you. Or I can say, yo, right. I care about you. You know, it has a different feeling. So for me, when I'm memorizing it, ultimately, it's not just the words, it's the feeling, it's the emotions, it's right. the inflection. So like a week, usually I'd say a week. A week. Wow, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Now, yeah. Do you, but I mean, you... I remember I memorize stuff in a couple of days. It's just about how much time I give myself, right? Does it also depend on the length of the poem? Because so, I would say yes. not that they're, they're not all the same length, right? No, no, definitely the length. You know, if it's a one page, I can I can probably body that in a day. Okay, wow. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I'm. I don't know why I was thinking that these were less than one pages, but I think that my 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 conception of what how long a poem is is usually is is much different. But then this is also like, is there? I guess there's a difference between you know spoken word, which is poetry that you you know you do and perform, and like poetry that's just written on a paper. Because I know there are some poetry books that I have that are just very literally some of them have like three sentences. Mm. you know mm-hmm. and others mm-hmm. have two pages yep. so the art form itself is is very varied i'm noticing 100 percent. so what, one thing i love is that you are ontario's first poet laureate and mm-hmm. you're also ontario's first black poet laureate so <laughs> kill two birds with one stone there yes sir. so how do, how does it feel being ontario's first Poet Laurier, how did you, how did that process even come about? You know, tell us about be, being able to pull that off, pull that off, excuse me, being able to do that. Uh, I mean, first things first, you know, I think when I was younger, I've always seen and I always knew that I could do something with poetry. That's why mm. I uh, qu- quit my jobs and just said I was going to go full, mm. full throttle with poetry uh, 10 years ago. And, um, you know, just being here right now, it's a reminder that consistency, it's a reminder mm-hmm. that when you have mm-hmm. a gift, use your gift towards service. Like I, I serve, you know, that's who I am. I'm right. a servant. And I believe that at the end of the day, we all have a gift and you got to use your gift to serve. So the Poet Laureate position, I was first told about it in September. I found out about it in June of 2020, 2019. Okay. Um, no, 2020, sorry. 2020 is when I first found out about it. 
I wasn't going to apply, but a local member of parliament called me and she said, you, you, you got, you got to apply. So I applied, uh, made mm-hmm. it to the, the first round, had like five different interviews, three, four different interviews with them. And then finally had a final interview just to make sure. And then, you know, that's pretty much it. It, it was, it was long. There was a lot of people that were there. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's really about honoring Gord Downey. Gord Downey is like Canada's, uh, Canada's biggest, I guess, one of Canada's biggest artists. And mm-hmm. he's, he like loves him. Canada loves him, you know, so it's really mm-hmm. made to honor him and his legacy because he was a poet and a musician. So his daughter was a part of the selection committee and they had a bunch of like yeah. high, you know, big people on the selection committee. So it's, it was an honor to be selected. And for me, uh, I didn't see people that look like me until, like I said, I went to that poetry show and I saw that dude on stage. Mm-hmm. So for wow. me, I'm just hoping that other other young artists and other black youth can see themselves in me and say, yo, if I if I continue to push my dreams, then I can do it too. I just want to be an example because someone was an okay. example. I have many examples and I just want to be an example, you know? That's, that's dope, man. That's beautiful. Yes, sir. Um, so ultimately... Um, what do you what do you want people to take away from your poetry? You know, at, when it's all said and done, I guess you could say, like, what's the one thing you want people to be able to? If it's anything they take can take away from your work, what what's that one thing you want people to be able to take away from it? Uh, the one thing I really want people to take away from my work would be uh, transformation. You know, uh, a lot of what I talk about is about transformation, and and you know, it's it's really about healing. Because I think at the end of the day, how do you appreciate the light without the darkness? Can right. light exist? Like light cannot exist without darkness. 100%. You know, how do you appreciate um, good without bad? Because right. good cannot exist without bad. You know, we live in a world of duality and dichotomy. And mm-hmm. it's really about looking at, looking at it for what it is. Because what might be good for me might not be good for you, you know? Right. Right. At the end of the day, it's really about how we we are meaning making machines, and mm-hmm. I try to put meaning in my words that can ultimately inspire people, uh, mm-hmm. and that's really me healing, uh, transformation, and 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 overcoming adversity is what I hope to provide for my audience and people who read and listen to my work. Okay, well I tell you, I'm really inspired by everything you do, and I, I love. Just being able to talk to you about it is just incredible for me, you know. Thank you. So, um, do, do you have a, a favorite poet yourself? Uh, it's, you can it's say yourself say. as well if you want. You can say <laughs> yourself, that's okay. <laughs> it, it's tough to say, but I like it to call my favorite. Um, I mean, honestly, Kendrick Lamar is probably my favorite poet, you know. Kendrick mm. Lamar is my favorite poet. Uh, second would be Saul Williams. I had the opportunity to perform at Saul Williams back in 2013, actually. Um, wow. And those who don't know Saul, Saul, Saul is huge. He's one of the biggest. He really took spoken word to the next level uh, during his generation. Uh, but I'd say Kendrick Lamar is one of my favorite poets because if you really listen to his work, it's all poetry. And and, and I think for some, something to, to keep in mind is that Poetry might be seen as Shakespeare, but it's so mm-hmm. much more. You know, rap is poetry, rhythm and poetry. That's rap. You know, that's what rap is. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they just they just add a beat. For me, I I just I just go to my own rhythm, my own cadence when I when I spit right. and, and write my poetry. Yeah, Kendrick is is one of my favorites. It's too man. I was listening to him just the other day, and I was just like, man, he's hot. 
I just I just feel like I'm listening to a genius sometimes. Yo, I'm telling you. <laughs> He's incredible, <laughs> like, man. He's incredible. Um now is there um is there anybody in the world, you know, dead or alive, um, that you wish you could share your poetry with? Someone that doesn't already know of your work? I would say I choose someone who's dead. Um, and I'd say Maya Angelou, you know, because Maya, yeah, Maya, I I read her book. I read several of her books and I think Mm -hmm. Maya just has this incredible ability. You know, Mm -hmm. it's Maya Angelou. I I don't even have to say much. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just (laughs) going to say it's Maya. That's it. It's Maya Angelou. And I want to share my poetry with her because I feel like she could provide me some, some amazing advice. She's like the grandmother I wish I had, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you, I remember seeing a story with her. Um, I think she was like a streetcar operator mm-hmm. in San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then I think in a similar situation, she, she went and she believed in herself and, mm-hmm. and, and left that and, and did poetry. I need to mm-hmm. fact check that though. Oh, <laughs> hope the listeners don't take my word. I'm going to fact check that. But I think it was her because I, I think I seen an old interview with her. I think she was on Oprah, which is something else I need to fact check. Um, mm-hmm. and, and she was talking about the experience and things like that. And I just think she's also a very inspirational person um, when it comes to just being an artist and being a woman, a black woman. You know, those things are just like you, when you believe in yourself, there's so much you can achieve. Straight so just up. a couple more, couple couple more questions for you. Um, okay. Are there any plans to do other creative work outside of poetry? Uh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, for me, the arts is is that's me. You know, the, the art is what I do. So mm-hmm. I've been I've been doing some curating actually uh, at a at a local mall here in Scarborough, Scarborough Townsend. I've been curating some photography exhibits and musical um, playlists and things like that. Uh, next for me, I really want to be able to take film and poetry and, and, mm. and I'm just, I'm just an artist, you know, I love film. Right, right. So I've been, I've been in front of the camera a lot. I'm, I'm working mm-hmm. to be behind the camera a little bit more and mm. I want to just incorporate, uh, my poetry and my, po- like not even my poetry, but poetry and film. I'm looking to do more mm. with that. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And my favorite question, I, I, I ask everybody this, it's just, right. just to see, well, you know, there's no right answer. There is a wrong answer. No, I'm joking. There's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer either. Um, <laughs> would you prefer to be the best at something or the first at something? Definitely the best. Definitely the best. Hands down the best. Definitely, definitely the best. Definitely the best. Hands down. Hands down the best. Um, it's amazing to be the first. I won't lie. But to be the best, it's not about competition either, about being the best mm-hmm. in that sense. I think being the best because it... it it pushes me to strive for more so that the person that comes after me has a higher bar to work with. And that way it, right. it, it cause you can be the first and stay, you know what I mean? Right. You can be the first and stay right. here. Then the second person is like, Oh, I can be maybe this good. Right. But right. why, why stay here? If you can take it here, if you can go right. to the, a higher level. So right. for me, I'd rather, I'd rather be the best to inspire the next person to, to okay. take it to the next level, to be better than me. Oh wow, that's that's interesting perspective. You know, a lot of people have said the best, but they they've they haven't said it like that just yet. So it's interesting that like every time I ask this question, you get such varying degree 
answers. A lot of people say the best, but their reasoning is is always different, and that's always interesting to me. So that's why I always ask. All right, Randall, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It will close things out. Uh, Mm -hmm. How can people find out more about your work um, regarding poetry and and Rise? So you can find more about my work and poetry um, at OntarioPoet.org. That's O-N-T-A-R-I-O-P-O-E-T dot O-R-G. That's OntarioPoet.org. Or just Google Ontario's Poet Laureate. You'll find a lot of information about myself. Uh, I'm predominantly on Instagram. My name is Randella J. That's R-A-N-D-E-L-L-A-D-J-E-I. So you can find me there on Instagram. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I got a website with my name, .com. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's where y'all can find me. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Okay, great. That's that's amazing. Make sure you guys check out his work. It's incredible. I've had the fortune to be able to see you perform a couple of times, and it was incredible each time. So thank you for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate what you do. I think Young Pros Talk is really important to have this space. Um, I don't say yes to a lot of podcast opportunities, but I said yes because of what I saw, the conversations that you're having with individuals and the impact that it can have on, on, on the listeners. So for everybody listening, I know, uh, you know, it, podcasts are a beautiful thing and they're saturated, but this is one of those podcasts that I say definitely tune into because there's something to wow. learn and something to take away from it. So appreciate you and all you do, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. All right. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 